you have a Bible and you want to follow along with me, tonight we're going to be in Isaiah, a prophet that lived seven, some 700 years before Jesus. Be amazed at the beauty, be amazed at the weight of his words, of what God's story is going to tell us tonight through the prophet Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus walked the earth. We're going to be in Isaiah 52, primarily Isaiah 53 tonight. At the center of Christianity, at the very center of Christianity, there is a cross. At the very center of history, there is a cross. And at the center of history, the most horrible thing that ever could happen the most horrible thing that you could ever imagine that could happen, happened. That turned, to be, turned out to be the most wonderful thing that ever happened. At the center of Christianity, there is a cross. And at the center of history, there is a cross. And at the center of Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus was surrounded by scoundrels. He was surrounded by sinners. He was surrounded by transgressors. And he was there, and even though Pilate would say, should we let this Jesus go? I can't find anything wrong with him. Don't you want me to let him go? Don't you want me to cru crucify this Barabbas? No, let Barabbas go. Let this well-known murderer, this scoundrel go. Let him go and crucify Jesus. And somehow at the center of the cross, in the center of history, in the center of the story, in the center of the crucifixion is Jesus. And to his left and to his right are sinners, are scoundrels. And really the question that we want to start to ask, and maybe you've asked as you've heard or read the story, is what is Jesus doing in the middle of these guys? What in the world is Jesus doing there in the story with these transgressors? You know, life has a way of bringing things around full circle. When you become a grandpa, you're reintroduced to Sesame Street and the beauty of Sesame Street, the songs of Sesame Street, the stories of way that they teach on Sesame Street. And when I thought of this passage, all I could think about was that clever song that we sang or we sing on Sesame Street that says this, one of these things is not like the others. One of these things just doesn't belong. Can you tell which thing is not like the others by the time I finish this song? Well, you look at Calvary, you look at the reality of what was happening there. You have Jesus in the center next to two sinners. How in the world can Jesus be numbered with the transgressors? How can he be counted with sinners? Here's where we turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 52 and 53 is going to tell us what is known as the suffering servant. The prophet Isaiah is going to pick up uh, in his writings about this suffering servant. And what it says about this suffering servant is absolutely amazing. It says that this suffering servant is going to be the one that God is going to use 
to bring us healing. The suffering servant is the one that God is going to send that's going to set us free. That, that our hope is going to be found through a servant of God who suffers. And that should tell us a lot about who God is. It should tell us a lot about what we need. And Isaiah in, 52, in, in chapter 52 and 53 really starts to describe who this suffering servant is going to be. And clearly we see that the fulfillment of that suffering servant is Jesus. And I just love God's word, and I love the beauty and the majesty of the word of God, the one story of God that unfolds, that as we read Psalm 22, we can't help but see Jesus. And when we read Isaiah 53, we can't help but see Jesus. Why? Because all of God's word is one story with one hero, and it's all about one Savior named Jesus. So here he is, and so this, this one in Isaiah, as we turn to him, Isaiah is going to say of this suffering servant that he will be counted among the transgressors, that this was going to happen, that there he's going to be, and he'll just be in the line of other sinners. He'll be counted with a big lot of scoundrels. And to be honest with you, I just can't get over it. I can't. He's innocent. He's different. He's pure. He's the son of God. How can Jesus be okay to be counted with sinners? How could he stand it? How could he stand it to be numbered among the ranks of the broken? I don't know about you, but in my life, I don't like to be associated with sinners. I don't like to be associated with those who are broken. I don't like my story intersecting their story. I want to cry out and say, but I'm different. I'm righteous. I'm more holy than they. But here Jesus, even when he's counted among sinners, remains silent. You see, for the key for us to understand why there is a cross at the center of God's story is to understand why Jesus is in the center of two sinners being crucified. And when we ask the question, how did Jesus get lumped in with these scoundrels? Why? We see that, well... That's why he came. That was the whole purpose of putting on flesh. That was the whole purpose of rescue. Why Jesus was lumped in with scoundrels. He was lumped in with us. Why? To save us. This evening as we look to Isaiah 52 and primarily 53, we're going to see this. Jesus was lumped in with us to heal our wounds, to bring us peace, to make us righteous, to make intercession for us, and to make us his own. Without being lumped into us, none of that is ours. So let's look at this incredible story of God's grace and love to us through this incredible servant, this suffering servant of God. I'm going to read Isaiah starting in chapter 52 because it really starts the story there. In verse 13, reading through chapter 53. Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of children of mankind. 
Yet so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, them they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a young, like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned away, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man, in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide with him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressions, to transgressors. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Now, Father God, it is so incredibly rich and so incredibly beautiful that we could read the words of the prophet Isaiah so, so many years ago from now, And so many years ago before Jesus, that suffering servant of yours, that son of yours would come and fulfill this prophecy that on that cross, he would bear our iniquity. On that cross, he would be pierced through for our transgressions. On that cross, we could find your peace. And through his wounds, we can be healed. Lord, that's a story that no man could make up. Only only you, the true and living God, can make this beautiful story a reality, and it is. 
in your Son, our Savior Jesus. Oh God, would you come with power and give us ears to hear your voice? God, would you give us minds to understand who this suffering servant is? God, would you give us hearts that would embrace by faith that he is our Lord and Savior? Would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of his name? And God, the things that I say that are wrong and merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, oh God, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. At the center of Christianity, there's a cross. At the center of it. And on that cross was a person who was unlike any other person who ever lived. One that was and is truly holy. One that was and is truly pure, spotless, sinless. On that cross was a person that was like us in every way, in many ways. He was like us. He was weak. He was frail. He experienced all the emotions we experienced fully human, like us, calls us brothers, like us, only different because he was pure, spotless, holy, sinless. One that was tempted like us in every way, all the temptations that we feel, experience, yet without sin. Why? Why, Why would there be a cross in the crosshairs of God's story? Why would there be a cross in the entire history? Why? Because God's story is a story of redemption. It's a story of rescue. A story of redemption for you and for me. God's story, it's a story of justice. A holy God that that tells us that sin has to be dealt with. It's a story of justice and mercy, a merciful God who loves to show mercy to generations of believers. It's a story of holiness. It's a story of grace. What? What What does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about this living God that in the center of his story is a cross? What does it tell us about God that not only in the center of his story is a cross, but nailed to that cross was his son? His only begotten Son, Jesus. What? What does it tell us about ourselves? That in the center of God's story is a cross, and nailed to that cross hangs his beloved Son, Jesus. What does it tell us about God, and what does it tell us about ourselves? Well, it certainly tells us that something tragically went wrong with the story. The story is so broken that the only way it could be fixed is through a cross. And hanging on that cross is God's Son. The only one, the only one who was and is truly innocent, truly pure, truly spotless, truly sinless. Stop and think about it. Here is the cross at the center of God's story, at the center of history, On it hangs his son. What does it tell us about ourselves and about our God? In the center of God's story, there is a cross. 
It tells us something about God's justice. Someone has to pay for sins. God told us the soul that sinneth shall surely die. He said the wages of sin is death. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't try to soften the blow. He didn't try to, you know, put it behind his back. He dealt with us up front and direct. The soul that sins, it's going to die. And the wages of sin, it's, it's death. And there we see at the center of God's story, God's justice, death. But it also tells us something of God's mercy. This someone is God's beloved son. I love the story at Jesus' baptism when the father can't contain himself anymore and he has to call out saying, that is my son. He's my beloved son. And I love the story at the Mount of Transfiguration when Elijah and Moses showed up. And, and here you have the law and the prophets of Jesus all together. But the Father wants everybody to know, that one is my son. The others will disappear. Listen to that one. That's the one that I love. You see, that cross tells us something of God's mercy, that God's only begotten son, Jesus, hung there. Why? Why is there a cross in the center of Christianity? It tells us that the story of Christianity is the story of salvation. And here's what you, listen, you, we, can't, we can't miss this. If the cross is the center of Christianity and the center of God's story and the center of history, it not only tells us that God's story is about salvation. Here's what it tells us. That salvation is of the Lord. This is God's idea. It's God's idea of how he rescues sinners. It is God's plan how he rescues sinners. It is God's execution. It is his work that God would so love the world that he would send his only begotten son, that Jesus would so love the Father and be a friend of sinners like us that he would come to seek and to save the lost. This was the Father's idea. This is the Son's execution. And this is the Holy Spirit's application. Salvation is exclusively found in God's Son, Jesus. Only way, only truth, only life. This is God's only plan. Salvation is God's idea through God's Son. And it's not about what we do. Isn't it amazing? Now stop and think about that. Salvation is not about you and me cleaning ourselves up, getting better, becoming more religious, giving more, helping out the poor more. Great things to do. But we can't save ourselves we can't even clean ourselves up. Salvation is all God's idea. Just like creation was all God's idea. He spoke. We weren't there. We contributed nothing to God's creation. He did it all. He did it all for, his, for our re recreation in Christ Jesus. He provided the son. He provided the gift. He provided the sacrifice. What does it tell us? Salvation is of the Lord. It's not what we do. It's what God has done for us. Do you get it? Do you see the grace? Do you see the mercy? You see, Jesus was numbered among us. He was lumped in with sinners like us. And the question is, why was Jesus lumped in with us? And he could never save us. He could never heal us. He could never rescue us unless he became 
one of us. And he had to be numbered with the transgressors. That's the only way that we are set free. The one to heal, to come and to heal us. He was lumped in with us so that he can heal our wounds. And by his wounds, we are healed. Let me ask you a question. What wounds do you have this evening? We all got them. Oh, we cover them up. We mask them. But what wounds do you have? Do you have wounds of your childhood? A father wound? A mother wound? Something about growing up? Do you have, do you have wounds in your marriage? Do you have wounds that have come through education or work or uh, just wounds from the neighborhood? What wounds do you carry? Come to Christ Jesus. We are told that through his wounds, we are healed. Our wounds are healed. Listen again to what verse 5 says. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. He was numbered among us. He was pierced for us. He was wounded so that your wounds would be healed. Tonight, tomorrow, maybe when you see him face to face. But my brothers and sisters, your wounds are being healed in Christ Jesus. If, they, if you are his, that's what will never define you. He will. Jesus was lumped in with us to bring us peace. He became one of us to make peace for us. Let me ask you the question, where in your life are you struggling with peace? In your finances? In your future? With your kids? Where, where are you struggling with peace? He was lumped in with us to bring us peace. And again, verse 5, he's pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And the question that we have to ask, what kind of peace did the cross bring us? How did Jesus, the Prince of Peace, hang on a cross and bring us peace? He brought us peace with God. You see, God is holy and sinless. And we all have fallen short of that glory of God. And the only way we ever have peace with God is never what we do. It's never becoming good enough, religious enough, holy enough in and of ourselves. The only way we have peace with God is that he poured out the chastisement that we deserve on his son. That the prince of peace would cry out and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God the Father turned his face away from his son so he could bring us peace. So he would never turn his face away from us. That's incredible good news. Through the cross of Christ, sinners like you and me, we have peace with God. That is a a vertical peace, and we have peace with one another. Scripture says he's knocked down the dividing wall that divides us of Jew and Gentile, that in Christ Jesus, we truly can have peace with one another. Jesus was lumped in, not only to heal our wounds, not only to bring us peace, but he was lumped in with us to make us righteous. He became one of us to, so that we could be accounted as righteous. In verse 12, he says this, Out of the anguish of his soul... He shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, as he shall bear their iniquities. You know what this is saying? It's not enough 
that God would have His Son, the spotless Lamb of God, bleed so that our sins would be washed away. It's not enough that our sins are covered. It's not enough that they are paid. It's not enough that we are cleansed. He wants to make us righteous, beautiful, and holy in His sight. How does God do that? Because anything of our life screams we are unrighteous. But here's how He has done it. It's absolutely incredible. As Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that God took him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You know what that means? Are you a believer in Christ Jesus? He's not only separated your sins as far as the east is from the west, but every righteous thing that Jesus did, every time he fulfilled the law, everything, all the standards that he has met, God has given us not just the righteousness of man, he's given us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are robed. We are beautiful. He was lumped in with us. He wore our sin so that we could wear his righteousness. Jesus was lumped in with us. Why? Well, so he could make intercession for us, that he could plead on our behalf. Jesus' life pleads for us. The law, we owe the law nothing. He's fulfilled it. His death pleads for us that our sins have been covered there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and his resurrection pleads for us and I love what the book of Hebrews will say that now Jesus lives to intercede for us to continually remind the father not that he needs reminding but that we are his and we are saved Hebrews 7 24 consequently he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them he became one of us so he could plead for us Jesus was lumped in with us so that we could become his own that's why he did it he laid down his life for you because he loves you and he wants you to be a part of the family he says I lay down my life for my sheep so that we could become one. John 17, 21 says, in a high priestly prayer in that upper room, Jesus would say, pray, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, here's the point. He was numbered with transgressors. He was lumped in with us, so that we could be lumped in with God's family so that we could be a part and one with him. Jesus was lumped in with us to heal our wounds, to bring us peace, to make us righteous, to make intercession for us and to make us his own. Tonight we're going to celebrate a meal that celebrates the reminder, reminds us that Jesus was lumped in to, with us, a meal to remember his sacrifice it's a meal for all those who by God's grace are his, by faith, to say, I've been lumped in with Jesus. And because I'm lumped in with Jesus, I'm forgiven and free. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the incredible grace that you have shown to sinners like us, that you would send your son to come rescue us. And Jesus, that you would suffer and die for us, that you would be willing to be numbered among the transgressors, counted among sitters like us, so that we could be counted one with you. Oh God, we thank you 
for the message of the cross. We thank you that the center of Christianity and at the center of history, there's a cross. Then on that cross, we are set free. Oh, what amazing grace. Come and let us tangibly taste that grace through this meal, we pray in Christ's name.